Hello, welcome to Audio Blobs. I'm Matt. And I'm Danny. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to have a quick swig of my coffee. Hang uh, on a minute. I'm, I'm going to go... Do I go Rabina or do I go coffee? Coffee is good. It's good coffee. Uh, yeah, it's a bit pungent. It's really strong. <laughs> um, okay, shall I go first? Yeah, you go first. All I right. went first last time. Or did I? <sighs> I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, you go first. Um, okay, so... To say that I've been using would be a lie. Uh, I think they announced <laughs> okay. them a couple of weeks ago. So this is Slate, uh, who we've looked at a lot of their stuff before. This is their... Oh, this is Slate Digital, isn't it? Yes. And we've looked at... I know we looked at um, the, the Reverb. We looked at the Repeater, the Delay. Is the Trem um, Control one of theirs? No. No, that's, that's uh, Good uh, Hertz. Good Hertz. But yeah, this is uh, something they released a couple of weeks ago. Um, like with all the other Slate stuff, it comes for free. So if you're already subscribing, I mean, I just hit update on my little oh yeah, of course application thing, and it yep. just downloaded them, and installed them. Um, so that's pretty good. We've talked about that before and how their pricing structure works and how yep. we feel about uh, subscription-based services. So you can go back and listen to any of the previous Slate podcasts. You'll find out about that. Uh, this is the Virtual Tube Collection. Because they're Americans, so they call them tubes. Tubes. Um, basically, they are valve or tube saturation plugins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three of them. They all work in their virtual mix rack ecosystem, which, you know, it's got like modules within the system. Um, so you've got a rack and then the, all their EQ and compressors and stuff are all modules that you open up inside that rack. Okay. So these are just three new modules they've added to the rack, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you can drop in and out with all the other bits and pieces. Yeah. So like... you can you can build effects chains with yeah. these in, basically. It's quite a it's quite a handy it's quite a handy little system. It's quite an if intuitive you, kind of system as well. It is, and if you've got um, if you just pay for the monthly or yearly subscription, which is actually really affordable. Um, you've got a good little package. It's got yeah. a load of decent EQ models. It's got a load of decent compressors, uh, and it's got some other nice bits and pieces in there as well. Cool. Um, so these are three that they've added. So they've added the Hollywood, the London, and the New York. Um, basically, they're just three different valve models. Yeah. Um, the New York, from from playing with it um, just a minute ago and kind of testing the waters with it, the New York seems to add that kind of sparkle and sheen of that you'd expect from like new york studios yeah uh the london is so the low end on it is lovely it's really (laughs) weighty it's really nice we'll have a listen to it in a minute and then the hollywood is quite a colored one um it's kind of top end sparkle it's kind of class it's cool what you'd expect from the names basically yeah absolutely. Um, you know the london one is like european valves with kind of weight and and everything like that that comes with it um so just to demo them real quick, as I said, I haven't played with these much, um, but what I've done here is I've got a mix-up uh, of a just a loop of a drum groove, and I've got overheads, a snare top and bottom track, and a kick inside and a kick outside track. And what I've done is I've just put an instance on each one, so we'll listen to it in a couple of contexts, and then I'll turn them all on and off so we can hear kind of what we've done. Cool. So if I just pop the kick drum in, and let's just listen to the drum groove as it stands now without any of the um, without any of the plugins on first, actually. Mm-hmm. 
So that's just the the clean drums. These have had nothing done to them. This is just as they were mic'd up in the room. Yeah. Um, so if we focus on the kick drum, um, what I was playing around with was uh, the London, which is the one, as I said, it feels like it's got a lot of weight on it. Um, basically, each module is laid out exactly the same. You've got a saturation, a low-pass filter, uh, an output gain stage, and then a mix so you can blend the dry signal back in. Okay. Uh, it's also got a preamp slash console button, which just flicks it in and out of different modes. I'm not sure entirely what it does. It's just kind of how it drives the tube, I think. Okay. Uh, and then it's got normal and push, and push is exactly what you'd expect. It just pushes all of the parameters, all of the saturation, everything a little bit harder. Pushes everything up a little bit. Yeah. So if I, I'll start the kick drum up again... Uh, with nothing on, and then I'll turn it on and I'll bring the saturation in so we can hear what it's doing. That's our blank kick drum track. And now I'll switch the, the module on. And already you can hear it's colored it ever so slightly, just the kind of model of the tube. If yeah. we push it just so you can hear what it's doing, I'll turn the saturation all the way up to 10. So you can hear it distorting now. You can kind yeah. of focus in on what it's doing. With the kick drum, I actually found that saturating it quite high, so I had the saturation set to about 6.5, and, and I pulled the mix down to about 70%. So I'll pop that in and out now so you can hear it. So this is it without the setting that I put on the kick drum. And then on. Just adds a bit of weight and feel behind it mm. that you kind of that wasn't there before. It just adds uh, a bit more dimension and character. Bit, to I was going to say it's it's a character thing. It just makes it sound a little less sterile. Makes it sound a little more like um, like how you would expect it to sound. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I guess. Uh, so let's have a listen to what I did with the outside kick drum mic. So this is just a rundown of the settings. I had the saturation at about twelve o'clock. Uh, I put a little bit of the high-pass filter, cut some of the low out, because this low kick drum mic, the super lows in it are really nasty. That's an Audix so D6, isn't it, that's on this? No, this is the outside mic, oh, right. which was a... I think it was a Solomon... One of these, like, sub-kick things. Oh, yeah. Um, like the like the Yamaha ones, but kind of a knockoff of that. Um, but the, the super low in it is really nasty. I find it's a lot more punchy if okay. you actually put a a roll-off at about 20 hertz on it. So the roll-off set to, the, the the low cut set to about 20 hertz, and then the mix again is rolled back. So this is very similar to what I did with the inside kick mic, and that saturation at about 5, 6, 7 o'clock. 5, 6, 7 on the scale, sorry, about midday, 1 o'clock. And then the mix is just rolled back to about 70%. So I'll do the same again. I'll play it with it off, and then I'll kick it in. You can hear it just breathes like a little bit of life into it. Yeah. Just opens it up a little bit more. Uh, okay, so next up was the snare. So with the snare, I actually moved over to the New York one um, just because I thought it would be nice to hear how they differ. Yeah, definitely. Um, just for the sake of listening to each one differently. Um, and I've just cranked the saturation up quite a way and I've added a big low-pass filter on it. Because as I said, it's quite useful to have these low-pass filters here because... Uh, well, I've done nothing to these drums. Mm. These are just the, the drum mics as they came in. 
So we'll do the same again. I will start it with it off and then I'll kick it in. As I said, I've pushed this really hard. Um, I probably wouldn't push it this hard in a mix, but it's nice to hear how it sits. Um, it just sits with the rest of it. Yeah. So here we go. Without and then with. That, to my ears, really opens that snare drum up. That's good. It allows it to breathe a little bit, which yeah, is great. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, basically done exactly the same with the bottom snare mic, uh, but again, pushed it just really, really hard and added a bit of a low pass, a, a low cut, sorry, on it. So this is the bottom snare mic. And then kick it in. It just adds kind of a little sparkle in the top end. You can hear a lot end. less on that, though. Like, a lot less. I think so. Um, I think what's interesting when we get... I'll do the overheads next. What's interesting is the uh, culmination of all of these. So it goes from feeling quite, like, quite a flat. Once everything's on, I'll switch them all off and all on again at the same time. And mm. you'll hear what goes from quite a... What sounded like good drums, but actually once you put this on it, it sounds quite... It, it just brightens and lifts everything and opens mm. it out a bit more. Um, finally, on the uh, overheads, saturation at about half past two, three o'clock. This is on the third one as well, isn't it? So this is on the, is it the Hollywood? This is on Hollywood, yeah. So the, the two kick drums are on London, the two snare drums are on New York, and this one's on Hollywood. Uh, saturation is quite a way up between seven and eight. Mix is pulled back to about 65%. And again, I've just used the low pass filter just to tidy it up. So let's cool. have a listen to that. So first without and then with again. This is with the push switch engaged on it. Okay. So you really, I'm really kind of hitting, you're getting some real distortion on this from the tube. Okay. going to do that once more i'm going to start with it off and i'm going to bring it back on again because actually listen to the the snare and the real top end of the cymbals okay. that's where you hear it so without here we go first and then with You really hear like the hi hat. Yeah, it's it, doing so much to that hi hat. Yeah. It sounds great. Uh, okay, so we will listen to all of the drums in together, and what I'll do is I'll let it play a loop, and after that double snare hit, before the loop starts again, I'll just drop all, all of them of it on. In at once. Yeah, cool. So this is all dry. The mix we heard at the very beginning, and then halfway through, I'll just switch those settings that we've just listened to on on all the tracks. I'll just switch them all on in one go. So here we go. I think it just... They surprised me, actually, I have to be honest. Like, when I loaded them up and first used them, I was really surprised by how good they sounded. Yeah. Um, 
the London adds a huge amount of low end. So actually on my drum stereo bus here, I've got the London set up. So what I'll do is I'll leave the individual ones on and then let's listen to the the drum mix with them all on with it off on the on the drum bus and then I'll kick it in on the drum bus same yeah. as before. So this is the London. I've cranked the saturation right up uh, and pulled the mix back. I find I haven't played with them for very long but I found a lot of them work best in parallel like this where you actually saturate it quite hard but then pull the mix back. I found that's when they've been most effective. Okay. I'm yet to use these properly in a mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just at first impressions that's how they sound the best to me anyway. So without it on the drum bus and then with it on the drum bus. Here we go. It really, it just, um, it doesn't add a huge amount. It just gives, it just gives your drum bus just a bit of space. Yeah, it just feels just like it everything, everything feels a little bit more, um, a little bit more natural, a little bit less kind of sterile and flat. That's the word, basically. Is it's it it unflattens it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The, the, it's the a good blank, way of putting it. The you know the the completely clean mics into the desk sound relatively flat. Um, that was all recorded through my desk, which is these Allen and Heath pre's, which are not coloured pre's at all. Yeah, they're, they're not there for colour. Yeah, they're there for capturing a, as as flat a response as they can. Mm. Um, no matter how hard you push them, they try not to colour the signal. So to be able to then take that incredibly flat frequency response and go in after the fact and and mess with the colour afterwards is really nice. Yeah, it's kind of um, nice. I think I'll use them. Um, I don't know how much I'll use them. It might be worth looking at this in three months now that they're installed. Yeah. Uh, and playing around and... and... And just seeing whether they've actually found their way into my workflow or not. Uh, a lot of this um, Slate stuff I don't use. Yeah. But a lot of it I do use on a very regular basis. So whilst I pay the $14 or whatever it is a month... Yeah. Um, for the subscription, and there's a load of junk there that I just don't use. Um, some of their compressors I really, really just don't touch. Uh, there's a couple of nice bits of EQ, but then there's other stuff that I reach for constantly. Um, for instance, they've got these this Air Band, this Elios Air Band, AEOS, I don't know how you say it, uh, which I reach for all the time. It sounds great. It sounds really lovely on snares and stuff like that. It opens things up on acoustic guitars. It sounds beautiful. It's just one of those things, though. You know what? It works well on and, and how you like using it. Yeah. So, you know, it it's just you buy it. Yeah. So what I'll do is these will these will be used on probably every mix. These, these tube ones will be used on every mix I do for the next few weeks. Yeah. And then they'll either fall by the wayside or I'll find that I keep reaching for them. And that's when I know if it's got value or not. Yeah, definitely. So it might be worth... Might be worth um, just seeing if I'm still using them. Just ask me in three months' time. Excellent. Just go, are you still using those tube still things? using those tube thingies. And I'll probably go, yes. <laughs> I'll ask you in six podcasts. I think I'll probably be using that London one on drums. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. And you're right, it's got a ton of um, of low-end response. Adds a real like, weight to it. Which is cool. Yeah. We like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're simple enough. If you're already subscribed to the Slate stuff, 
go and install them and see how they sound. Yeah. I couldn't find a price for them if you're not already subscribed to the Slate stuff. Okay. So I don't know. Usually a lot of their stuff, you've always been able to buy it uh, separately. It, like, a, like a one-off kind yeah, of. Yeah, like on its own and own it. Um, but I can't seem to find a price for that. Uh, I've just hit buy it now on their website. Yeah, I mean, monthly... $25 a month. If you sign up for a year, that becomes $15 a month. Um, so it's worth it, I yeah. would say. It's easily worth it. Ah, here we go. So if you want to basically buy uh, the the collection, the three together, they're $180. So, hmm. I, as with as with all these subscription models, I think they are. If if you don't like the idea of a subscription model, if you want to buy and own plugins, fair enough. But I think the subscription allows you to know what plug you can try these. So you know you can pay twenty five dollars, you can get all of the slate stuff, and then you can go, okay, well I'm using that one and that one. Yeah. So I'll buy those two. Um, so it's worth it's worth signing up and and just think, trying stuff out, even if it's just for a month. You might find something in there that you yeah. really love, and then you can go and buy it. And, or even if it's just you know you have it for a year, which is the cost pretty much of one of those packages, and then you go, actually, do you know what? I don't really want to spend two hundred dollars or one hundred and eighty dollars a year every year yeah. for the next ten years because that's going to work out very expensive. Where actually you only use two or three things of those. Just go and buy those two or three things. Yeah, and then. And yeah, then they're yours, the, and then you can have a subscription on something else that you might want to try out. Or like you said, or even if it's just a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, sounds good. No, their stuff is always worth looking at. Um, as I said, some of it's better than other stuff. Some of it's amazing. Some of it is just, I just don't reach for it. Yeah. So, it's, but they're well worth checking out. They are very, they're a decent company. I like Slate a lot. We'll they say do we some like really Slate. great stuff. Slate are a, yeah. a nice company. Yeah. Anyway, cool. that's me done. Sweet. Nice and nice and simple. Nice and simple. Mine's quite simple this week as well. So, um, I was having a conversation the other day with another guitarist, um, and he was uh, looking to upgrade his pedal board, and he was there. Oh, he wanted to get the uh, the Strymon Timeline, and nice. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't well, mind one of them. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind one of them either. Um, you know, a couple of other bits and pieces, and there was some uh, kind of gainy and crunchy things that he wanted to upgrade because he's just, you know, he's he's like, okay, it's it's time to take my pedal board up to uh, yeah. the second level, the the, the next tier. Um, and we sort of started talking about how you power it all, and he's mm -hmm. been running a daisy chain, okay, for his pedal boards, and that's fine, but when you start using loopers and when you start using you know uh loop switches like a like the gig rig octa switch the quartermaster yeah. sorry or you know even down to the boss ones when you start getting lots of cables and lots of power mm -hmm. um you start getting noise yes and the majority of the time the noise is coming from the power mm -hmm. and your obviously the that pickups are magnetic, so it's going to pick up lights and, you know, halogen bulbs are just killer for yeah. guitarists, all that kind of stuff. You know, we were in here the other day and your LEDs under, yeah. your, under the desk. Just had adding to just, like this high-pitched wine. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, had to kill that kind of stuff. Um, but he just didn't quite get why you would spend £200 on a power brick for your pedal board. <laughs> um, and I thought, actually, that's a really interesting point because... 
actually, you know, if you've only if you've gone from a small pedal board, you know, I have a pedal board, um, the one that we did uh, most of the podcasts that we do down here. If I've got uh, some pedals in front of me, they're connected to a small pedal board, and that's daisy chained together with power. Yeah, you know, the, those little. Yeah, you know. if you're running like three three pedals, three effects and a tuner, or three or four effects and a tuner, yeah. there's nothing wrong with a daisy chain and, 90% of the time. And most of the time, I'm going straight into my boss tuner, and then the tuner's powering everything else. Yeah. Using the little... Um, the little input-output input output thing. Deal. Um, so I wanted to talk about pedal power and how you power your pedal boards. So... There's a kind of there's a couple of options. There is obviously there's the daisy chain route, which is fine if you're using uh, a few things. Just make sure that you buy a decent, you know, little adapter with a good transformer in. Don't buy like a three quid Chinese nine no. volt DC adapter off of eBay. You know, the good ones are going to cost you twenty twenty five quid. You know, yeah. there's a good Boss one. Uh, there's a good that like Gator do mm-hmm. some good ones, and even you know get on Toman. Because the Tom and own brand stuff, I think there's one which is like 17, I think it's about 17 euros. Okay. Uh, but actually, that's not a bad one either. I've got a couple of those that I have. And buy some because they're really handy to have lying around. You know, this stuff does die on gigs. And it's always good to have one of those so that you can go, ah, just plug in so that I've got <laughs> two sounds from my amp at least. Um, or whatever you're you're mainly using. Um, the, the, the second main option... And the most widely used one is to have a power brick. But mm-hmm. there are so many power bricks. So I wanted to go through a few and just kind of talk through what's good to use and what maybe you might want to avoid. Um, and there's one in here which is undoubtedly a brilliant power brick, but I would avoid it at all costs. Okay. And that's the Strymon one. Oh, really? Because... It's called the Strymon. Hang on, I need to find it. It's the Strymon OJ, but it... That's an unfortunate name choice. <laughs> I know it's been a long time. Well, but... it is spelled O-J-A-I. Okay. Uh, but it runs on a proprietary cable from a transformer. So basically, what we mean by that is you plug a, an IEC lead or a kettle lead... Into into a block into a into a into the into your wall. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then the other end of that goes into the transformer, which is the block, and yeah. then the transformer goes into the back of the power lead. Yeah. Now, first thing, I always have an issue with power that comes from a transformer because mm-hmm. you've got too many connections there, and I hate having multiple connections. And, and they get hot. And they get hot. Yeah. They get melted. They get you know beer spilled on them. Yeah. You know you may as well not bother. And if they have a proprietary cable that isn't just running a standard pin, mm-hmm. like a la- they look like a laptop pin basically. Yeah. They look like that kind of thing. You know, then that's just a real pain in the ass. Yeah, because if that dies on a gig, the 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 joy of like normal. Oh yeah. So it I'm just like showing a, Danny a photo of the back like of the OJ. It is a proper little proprietary thing. It is a proper it's you know you're going to need to buy several of these. Yeah, so you're going to want got, a spare one. You're going to want a spare and that's going to be expensive. I mean this is not expensive so the OJ is 150 quid. Um it's not one of the most expensive ones but it's also you can do a lot better for for cheaper. Yeah. Sorry Strymon, I love your stuff. <laughs> I will never buy one of these. Mm. What a what a silly thing to do. So, uh there's I would say there's two top power blocks, power bricks, and that's the T-Rex stuff, 
which is the fuel tanks. Yep. And there's multiples of those and they come in different sizes and they come with different voltages and AC mm-hmm. and DC power. Um, I've got one of those. I've got the blue one, which I think is eight. I think it's eight, nine volts and then uh, one DC I think 15 and one AC 12 or something, okay. some combination of that. Um, they're really, really, really good. Um, I've owned one for ages. Brilliant thing. Really, really quiet. Doesn't get hot and just runs a standard IEC kettle lead straight into it, which mm-hmm. is what we like. Um, when they do a couple of those. There's the eight way one. There's a five way one. There's a green one as well, which is for one that takes weird voltages. So if you've got like vintage old boutique right, pedals okay. that take strange voltages, there's one that does that. Does uh, it have like switchable voltages or is it just it's just got a load of different I outputs? think there is one that does switchable voltages. If you're if you've got stuff that does that needs switchable voltages or that you're running lots of different things, uh the only ones to get are the Voodoo Lab ones. Okay. Because they're designed one, they're designed flawlessly, mm-hmm. and they're built like tanks, but they're also designed to fit under the pedal train pedal boards. Right. So they kind of work hand in hand, although they've just uh, released their... It's not their own brand, but they're kind of... They're called... Uh, I'll need to find them out. They are called... Uh, uh, Dingbat. So uh, Voodoo Labs have kind of come up with their own kind of pedal board designs called Dingbats, which I love. Uh, but they've got some really good ideas. They're quite expensive. How <laughs> oh, much are they? Well, so um, if you go for like the biggest one, you're talking just the the US street price is what they're calling it is $450. Eesh. Um, and by the time that you've got, you know, the one with the... With the which is called their Mondo power package, which is their huge power package underneath, you know, that's $680, which hurts a little bit. Mm. But I mean, this is the thing what I'm trying to get at is don't skimp on pedal, yeah, on pedal power because you're plugging magnets into your <laughs> pedal board, which is going into an amp. And mm-hmm. if it's a tube amp, that's going to be really microphonic and really sensitive to sound anyway. Yeah. If you're plugging into dirty power sources, if you've got poor pedal power, then it's just going to make it even worse. You're going to end up with that high and medium and low hiss and hum and buzz and yeah. all that kind of rubbish. Um, so don't skimp. So I would say go and just, you know, spend a little bit of money. I mean, if you're spending a good pedal board, even with, you know, four or five pedals on with a with the actual board and something else, should probably set you back thousand pounds. Yeah, I was like going to say you're spending a minimum. You're looking at if if you're taking like a a medium sized pedal board that kind of covers a lot of the most commonly requested bases. Yeah, uh, you know you've got a couple of different types of modulation on there. You've got a couple of different types of gain. You've got delay. You know you've got your tuner. Um, you're looking at having spent over a thousand pounds on pedals easily. So to feed it to feed those pedals less than quality electricity is crazy yeah because they're not going to perform their best uh, uh, the, the the best case scenario is they're not going to perform their best the worst case scenario is they're gonna just pick up they, it's just going to be a racket as yeah. soon as you especially if you're talking about gain pedals yeah you're talking about boosts and overdrives and stuff like that as soon as you step on them it's just going to start screaming and crying yeah. and because it hasn't been, it, it's not being fed clean electricity. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's like having a Ferrari and running it on vegetable oil. Yeah. It's like, well, you wouldn't. No, put some you premium, just wouldn't be able to get put all some the premium petrol in it. A good, uh, a, a quick interjection from mm. me. Um, so the way I run my pedal board, I mean, you know my pedal board, it's got like four pedals on this it. This is the third option. That uh, is this what you were going to say? Yeah. Okay. So do you want to explain it and then I'll talk about how I actually run mine? Oh, no. no. Well, okay. So what well, the third way is a lot of companies now doing this, which is they're running, they're there. you can buy little battery packs. Mm-hmm. Um, so pedal, pedal train, do one, which is the Nova. The, the Novo. pedal train Volto. Volto. Yes. Sorry. Yes, the Novo, the new pedal boards. So it's the Volto. There's a Harley Benton one, which you get yeah. on Toman, which is the uh, power plant. And there's another one called uh, Rockboard LTXL Effect and Handy Power Bank. <laughs> oh, that's uh, a catchy name. Which is... <laughs> better than OJ. Yeah, which is... <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> which is uh, made by Warwick. Um, okay. There's a couple out there, um, and basically they allow you to charge off a USB. It's just a battery. Yeah. You stick it to the bottom of your pedal board, and it's got two little 9-volt out outputs, things, yeah. outputs, and then you just run it off that. But you, because both you and I have one, mm-hmm. um, I don't use mine anymore because mine just, the amount I'm drawing from it, it dies within a gig. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But you don't have that much. Mine, so No. I've So what have I got on my pedal board? At the moment, I've got a, a Boss tuner. Uh, the Optostomp, the BBE compressor yep. that we've actually oh, I love that thing. talked about on here. Uh, I have uh, Octava, a Boss OC3 or 2, OC2, I think it is. And uh, it's brown. Electro Harmonics Baseballs. Yeah. That's all I have on my pedal board. So actually, it's not drawing very much power. Yeah. Um, the battery will last me a gig. It will regularly last me two gigs. Great. Um, and I find that it's a it's a cheap, reliable option. How much? They're about seventy pounds. It's about seventy eighty quid. Yeah. Um, it it does more than well enough for gigs. It does more than well enough for studio. The only time I ever worry about it is if it's in the studio and it's plugged in for like a full day of sessions. Yeah. In which case, what I do is I've got the thing is the way it works is actually I have my tuner plugged in. On a because you, as you said, it's got two nine volt outputs on it, the little nine volt pin outputs. Yeah, um, I have a tuner, my tuner is plugged in directly to one of them, yeah, with just a single nine volt pin to nine volt pin cable, mm-hmm. and the other three p- cables are daisy chained to the other one. Okay, so if I'm in the studio, yeah. if my pedal board's going to be plugged in for a long time, if I've got a gig where I've got to be set up and good to go at like two. But actually, we're not playing till nine or something at night. If I know it's going to be plugged in for hours and hours on end, yeah. in my uh, pedal board bag, I've just got a little nine volt wall wart, like a little yeah. transformer. And, you know, as, as you said, it was like a 20 quid one or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really simple switch. What I do is I unplug the tuner and I plug it, that power adapter transformer into the tuner. Yep. And then I unplug the other one from the battery underneath my which pedal board. Which is the daisy-chained one. Which is the daisy-chained one. And chuck it straight into the output because it's a Boss tuner. It's got the yep. in-out thing. Plug it straight into the output and that. So it's like a... And it's the same thing. If the battery dies, if yeah. the battery was to die on a gig, it's like a five-second changeover yeah. for me. I mean, So this I've is, got this... a, a foolproof solution that hasn't cost me hundreds and hundreds yeah. of pounds to put together, you know, in terms of power spent about 100 quid on it yeah. if that and there i mean those little those little battery packs are great what i would say is you need a backup so yeah. for that situation and the only way that you can do that is with a boss tu tuner yeah 
no none others do it really um not to my knowledge anyway um and that's the kind of the big thing these battery packs are brilliant i've used them on fly dates quite a lot so yeah, that's why i great. bought mine was because i had a load of like one-off gigs out in italy and france and stuff like that and i didn't want to be lugging power mm-hmm. i charge it up before i went and then you know you could charge it in the bus on the way to the gig well, the thing. You know, I've, I've done that before i've forgotten to charge it and i can just plug it into a usb socket in my car yeah on the way to a gig or uh hotel rooms like usb sockets are everywhere now yeah, and exactly. actually when i'm traveling in the back of tvs yeah it's crazy when i'm traveling i carry around uh just a little block that oh, plugs into block. the wall and is just five no no it's a it's a charger <laughs> but it's just five usb sockets yeah so it's a wall plug and then it's just five usb sockets yeah, so off of that one thing i can you know if i'm in a hotel in between gigs or something i can charge my phone i can charge my ipad i can charge my battery pack for my uh pedal board all off of one socket on the wall yep it's really handy which is great yeah so i mean this is the this is the key the key thing is don't skimp on power because it's it's the thing that's powering your thousand pound pedal board don't skimp on it but equally if you're going to go down the battery route make sure that you've either got two Mm mm-hmm that's my OCD getting in the way. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, if you're not going to, if you're going to have one, just make sure you have a backup because yeah. they do go down. And if you leave them charging for too long, they will explode. Yep. Mine has died because I left it charging <laughs> several times for like 20 hours at once. Just basically the battery doesn't last, you know, the same yeah, way if you overcharge anything. It'll, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but ultimately, you know, spend some money and get a good power brick. There's a couple out there that are the better ones. The Voodoo Lab ones are great. There's a T-Rex one. There's also, there's a Palmer one as well, which you can get on Tomoam, which is the Palmer PWT08, which has eight, nine volts in. Um, but it also has two switchable um, outputs. And that's actually only sort of 80, 82 quid, 83 pounds. Oh, that's good. Um, and I love the Palmer stuff. The Palmer stuff that is, is really fantastic. Well made. Yeah. Um, there's also a Harley Benton one, which is again on Tom Ann, and that's sort of like 35, 36 quid. That's worth having a look at. I've got one of those. It's a little bit noisier, but actually, if you're not running huge amounts or if you're not running huge stadium rigs, yeah, well worth the money and well worth having a look at. And there's some kind of cheaper, you know, there's the original Gator stuff and all that kind of bits and pieces. If you're running a really large board, I mean, if you're running a lot and, <laughs> you know, you've got a lot of other guys who are drawing a lot of power on stage and you need to make sure it's properly conditioned, um, it's worth having a chat with someone who's really clued up on it. Yeah. So there's a company in the in the UK called the Gig Rig. Most people will have heard of the Gig Rig, um, run by a guy called Dan, who is probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the world for pedal boards. That's what he does for wow. his business. He's exceptional. But he, his company is the Gig Rig. Um, they're based over in Swindon, oh, okay. um, and um, they've got a whole situ- They've got a whole situation for. For pedal power, which is using their uh, generator, so you plug one thing in, and then they that all goes out to little distributors that are all around your board. So it's basically minimising uh, okay. the amount of power cables that mm-hmm. are on the board, because that's basically if your pedal board is metal, and you're running all the cables, those uh, little jack patch cables everywhere, and you're running power at the same time. Basically, you have created an electromagnet. Yes, that is going to pick up noise. Um, so that is by far the best. You know, if you've got 
30 pedals on a board, two switches, you're running multiple volume pedals, loads of gain stages, you know, switching in between guitars that are old and vintage and lovely and worn and battered. <laughs> um, you're going to get noise, and the only the only real way around it is to get proper generated and conditioned oh, yeah. power. You want to um, minimize it as much as humanly possible. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, to go down that route is when you've got a very big board that you're not going to be changing. If you're chopping and changing pedals in and out of your board on a regular basis, it can be done with this, but you really have to have a lot of spare extra cables yeah. and you have to really know how to set this all is this more, stuff up. This is, this is built proper for, for tours. Yeah, like, this, is, I, this is the board, build it for me so yes. I can take it on tour. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's exactly what Dan does. If you don't know about the gig rig, go on to thegigrig.com. Um, his stuff is amazing. I want everything on this website. Uh, Dan, if you're listening, I'd love a G2, please, mate. Um, so that's, that's it. So I just thought it was worth kind of having a little conversation about because a lot of guys run a lot of pedals and mm -hmm. a lot of people are just daisy-chaining stuff. And that's fine until you get to a point where you're starting to get noise and you don't know why. Yeah. So spend a little bit of money, get a good one. Voodoo Labs, T-Rex, Palmer whatever your kind of choices, and go and test them out because not all of them will fit under all boards. Oh, yeah, that's true as well. So the Voodoo ones... You need to are test your ground clearance. Absolutely. So if you've got a low ground clearance board, you're not going to get the Harley Benton one underneath it yeah. because it's thick. I mean, and it's then a good it's going to have to go on top thick. and then it's going to take up half the space on your board. Yeah, and, and then it looks ugly. And, yeah. Uh, faff. <laughs> <laughs> but that's me so that's it so yes uh, pedal power I love pedal power good Matt's consumer advice hour yeah we'll Matt's be back in two weeks time <laughs> <laughs> oh it's like a Radio 4 program <laughs> uh, excellent um, so that's it for another Audio Blobs come and find us on social media which is at Audio Blobs or at Audio Blobs cast depending on where you're searching I'll leave that up to you to discover which one goes where <laughs> Um, and we shall see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. See you later on. Bye. Bye.